over here to the corner. And if you're in ministry, in pastoral ministry, if you don't maybe understand sometimes the heart of a pastor, sometimes I miss the days where I wasn't a pastor where you could just go to a church and you're just focused on the Lord and the Lord alone. But you never really get away from that when you step into pastoral ministry because you look around and you greet someone and shake their hand and they say, hey, and you said, how are you? And they go, I'm okay. And your heart just hurts a little bit because you know that they're struggling. And then you look around, you see somebody missing and you know somebody's in the hospital or somebody's sick. And so sometimes my worship is impacted by what's on my heart for the people that attend this church and even for the community of those who don't attend the church. And so oftentimes I'll worship and I'll look back and I'll see who's worshiping and touching God, who's here, who's not. And God called me over here to the corner today. And he said, don't turn around and look. And you know, we're in our humanity, don't touch the, don't touch the fruit. I wanted to turn, I was like, why? What's going on back there? And so it was like hard. But I felt God just go, I just want your attention today. And as I was just focusing on him and how many of you are willing to be transparent? We're singing a song about trusting God. Have you ever done like I have done? I've had some meetings and I've had some things in my heart about the future of this church for where God's taking us. Have you ever sang a song about trusting God while you're fearing some things? Anybody? And again, I felt God go, are you literally fearful of something while you're singing about trusting me? I feel like I'm very transparent in this pulpit. This is what you get when you vote me in as pastor. I wish I, I wish I had it more together and I just walked in the clouds all the time. But uh, I felt God say that. I felt him, as I was standing there, he just said, don't turn around, I just want your attention. And as I gave that to him, he just really began to speak to me and, and tell me, to tell you that we as a church, He's calling us into a season. I've haven't, I haven't mentioned depth in a while. We were on that for a while, but that hasn't changed. God's calling us into greater depth, and in that greater depth, He's saying this from all of us, not just me. I want your attention. Now I know we say, well, we're in church. We're at the front. We're praying. I mean, I prayed. The, I read the Bible this morning. I did. But you know the difference between praying and blocking everything else out between reading and checking a box on a bread chart versus digesting the word of God. And I feel like God is looking at our church and he's looking at you. Church, sometimes corporate, we don't we think of like people, a, a group of people, but you're the church, I'm the church. And what he's telling us right now is, I want to reveal myself to you. We don't have to say, Lord, I want you to know me. He created your inner being. No one knows you better than God. But in the depth of the relationship, he's now wanting to reveal himself to you. That's powerful. That's an invitation from the divine creator that is inviting you into a deeper realm of relationship.
And he's speaking to us today going, I want your attention because if you'll give me your attention, I will begin to reveal myself to you. And that alone is so powerful. It's so powerful. And so right now, would you just, there's stuff waiting for you. There's stuff that happened last week. There's stuff that you have scheduled for this week. There's stuff going on today. There's problems, there's issues, there's health, there's drama. But can you just right now, can you just close your eyes? And you can even stop playing. I think sometimes we rely so much on the music to drive in. We didn't have music last week. We can stop the music today. And right now, as you just close your eyes and just begin to focus on Jesus, don't focus on anything or anyone else other than the voice of the Lord right now who is inviting you, going, I want to reveal myself to you. Focus on me. I want your attention. Don't pay attention to anything or anyone else right now. I want to reveal myself to you. Go ahead and cry out to him. Block everything else out and just cry out to Jesus right now.
it would be very, very, very easy to just continue to enjoy this beautiful presence and move of the Spirit of God, just as we did last week. But God has told me to make sure that I'm preaching today because my title is The Steps After the Spirit Stirs. And so, it's a message, the Spirit's stirring, and now we need to look at the steps after. And so, we're going to continue, we're going to pray again in just a little bit after this message is done in the Rock Church and the bridge that's dismissed downstairs at this point. But God wants us to hear the word today. I'm going to go to the book of Judges. Chapter 13, starting at verse 1. Judges 13, starting at verse 1. Again, if you're a guest online, I pray you feel what we're feeling here today. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines, who oppressed them for 40 years. In those days, a man named Manoah from the tribe of Dan lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to become pregnant. They had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He made a Nazarite vow. So he will begin to rescue Israel from Philistines, from the Philistines. And then jump down to verse 24. It says, when her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir in him while he lived in Mahanadan, which is located between the towns of Zorah and Eshtel. So today, I want to speak. God wants to show us the steps after the Spirit stirs. Lord, we don't take for granted what we've already felt. You're incredible. You're powerful. And even what you spoke about wanting to reveal yourself to us, we don't, we don't just take that lightly. That's an invitation. God, that we just want to respond to that not just today, but throughout this week and these next months and even years. God, we know that you have great plans in store for us as your church. And God, I just pray, Lord, continue to draw us deeper to where you are calling us to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The book of Judges, it takes place between the conquest of the promised land under Joshua and the rise of the monarchies, uh, monarchy of, of Saul and David. This was a time of social and religious anarchy. The theme throughout Judges is captured in this one passage in Judges 17, 6. It says, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Imagine if we left here in the city of Liberty, all did whatever they thought was right in their own eyes. Chaos would ensue, and it did for them also. The social and spiritual climate into which Samson was now being born, it, 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 it captures a couple things in this opening passage. First, he, his parents, they were going to have a son. 
Even though she was barren to that point, they were going to have a son. Second, she was not supposed to drink alcohol or eat forbidden foods. Third, Samson's called to take a Nazarite vow. And fourth, the angel clearly states that God has a purpose for Samson's life. And that is to begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And then we read in our opening text that it says God blessed him as he grew up. The spirit of the Lord began to stir in him. When God has a plan and a calling for your life, both individually and corporately, his spirit will begin to stir. What we've experienced last week and today is not just because even though they're phenomenal musicians and singers and they're doing a good job making everything look and sound good, that is not why God's spirit is stirring. God's spirit is stirring for what we just heard. He's inviting his church into a deeper place of relationship. And why is he doing that? The spirit is beginning to stir to prepare us for what he is calling us to do. And so that's why for us, we're like, oh yeah, we thought we were gonna build, have a building, but we were not ready yet. And so right now, God is trying to get a depth spiritually in order to prepare us for what he's calling us to do and be in the greater Kansas City metro area. It does not matter where the building is, what the population is. I was raised in a church with 1,400 people that was literally in the middle of a cornfield. It does not matter. When God's spirit stirs in his people, the people have to be ready for what God's calling us to do. And that's what he's calling us right now is there's this invitation of of depth, of growth, of hear my voice. I want to speak. I want to reveal myself. And he was doing that for Samson. And this passage tells us Samson was growing up. His time was quickly approaching. He was becoming a young man and God's spirit is stirring. What do you do when God's spirit stirs in your heart? How do you respond? How about in a church setting? How do you respond when God's spirit begins to stir? But even if I come to the front, kneel down, cry and pray, the spirit stirring is not just to touch us at an altar in that moment. But I will say that when God's spirit's stirring, there should be a response. There should be a hunger and a desire for greater depth. The 13th chapter of Judges ends with the passage telling us God's spirit begins to stir. The very next verses, right after God's spirit begins to stir in this man, very next verses, because the Bible originally was not written in chapters and verses through the transmission, translation process. This was added for ease of use and reading and public proclamation. I'm thankful for those things. But we can read the 13th chapter of Judges right into the 14th chapter. So God's spirit begins to stir, and the very next thing, one day when Samuel Samson was in Timnah, one of the Philistine women caught his eye. God's spirit begins to stir in the man. I have a purpose for your life. The next verse, his eyes are not on the spirit. His eyes are on a worldly woman who God says to be separated and consecrated from. And when he returned home, he tells his father and mother just the way, oh, I could just imagine my kids speak like, hey, a young Philistine woman caught my eye. I want to marry her. Go get her for me. 
If your child said that, I just can't imagine. Brother and Sister Foster listening to Luke and Lang going, oh, really? I think it would go, who do you think you're talking to? Excuse me, what did you just say to me? Yeah, I know. God's spirit's stirring in me. And boy, she looks good. She's a worldly woman. She doesn't believe. She doesn't serve the God I serve. But I want her. Go get her for me. And the spirit of God, after stirring and empowering him, his next step should have been, isn't it ironic? It wasn't just a worldly woman. It was a Philistine woman. The exact people that he was, the spirit was stirring in Samson, calling him to defeat that exact people. His next step should have been, God's spirit's stirring, his favor's upon me, it's time to go to battle, it's time to do whatever I need to do. It's time to free God's people. And he goes to the enemy instead and says, she looks good. Very next verse, he goes to a Philistine woman. Pursues a a romantic relationship. His response to the stirring of the spirit was disobedience. He says to his parents, get her. She's right in my eyes, according to the Hebrew phrase there. Because as we read, they all did what's right in their own eyes. When it comes to relationships, you know I ain't going to let this go without hitting this for a minute. And really all the things of God... Remember, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Boy, does this ever ring true with Samson? God's not only calling us to do what's right in our own eyes, he's calling us to obey, to follow his plan, to follow the leading of his spirit. It's not just what you just experienced here this week and last week was not just. Last week was not, that was cool. That was a blowout service. Oh, that was neat. What a move of God today. It's, it's way beyond that. God is stirring in you. His spirit is stirring in you. Not for an altar call. Not yet. I, I hope if we can't even respond in an altar call, of course, nothing's probably going to change. But it's not just that. It's not just for an altar call. It is stirring in us going, no, no, I'm calling you into something. There's a purpose. There's a plan for your life. There's a plan for your ministry. But for Samson, the steps after the spirit stirs leads him to an ungodly Philistine woman. And Samson followed the desires of his flesh at that point. He decides to go in an area controlled by the Philistines and not to do battle, not to take dominion, not to say I'm taking back what is originally ours. How often are we living and working and walking in realms of the spiritual society in our culture? Areas that he has already given you but we've allowed the enemy to take over. And instead of taking back what God has meant for us, we're actually falling in love with the things of the world. And instead of fighting the spiritual battle, Samson allows his sexual desires to overcome his spiritual calling. And it's here that we read about the second time that the Spirit of the Lord comes mightily upon Samson. 
Judges 14, 5, as Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. Okay, I don't care how strong you are. You're a human being. Lions have jaws and teeth. and They are m- way more powerful. I do not care how strong you are. Okay? You can't take a lion. Samson cannot take a lion. But scripture says at that moment, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his mother and father about it. Interesting, they were on the journey with him. I don't know why they weren't there at that point. But he rips those jaws apart. And when Samson arrives in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. Later, he returned to Timnah for the wedding. He turned off the path of the carcass and to, to see the carcass of the lion. But I need to stay here for a minute. Because I believe strongly that this moment was a massive turning point for Samson. I believe this was a major fork in the road for him. I think, I, don't, I, I would even argue, even though I don't think it's wise, him going, get her for me, she's attractive, I met this woman. Even if you've been raised in church, there's probably been a time or two where you've maybe got, someone's gotten your attention and they're not godly and they're not, but, but, but you just were like, oh, but she's attractive, he's attractive. I don't think that's wise, but I, I, I can even get on board with that. But this, but this, this was a fork in the road. This was a, he was on his way to an ungodly woman. He's ignoring the stirring of the spirit and doing exactly the opposite of what God called him to do. And as he starts heading down the wrong path, following the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, a lion gets in his way. And it just takes me back somewhat to the prophet when the donkey gets in his way. And he starts cursing and beating the donkey and the donkey speaks to him. Could it be that God in his grace and mercy sent the lion? to get in this path, to maybe speak something to him like, bro, what are you doing right now? Why? Because all he was thinking about was a woman. I'm going. I'm going to meet her. I'm going to get married to her. I'm going. I'm heading that way. This is all that I want. I want her. Get her for me. And a lion gets in his path. I would think twice if I was going to take a girl on a date before I was married, of course. And a lion jumps in my path. I'd be like, you know, she's probably not the one for me. You know, she might not be. If I was going out to take Jackie, now I know you might say, well, no, you got to fight heaven and earth to get to. No, a lion jumps in my path. I'm probably going a different direction. <laughs> and a lion gets in his way. And Samson, realistically, he should have been dead. He should have been torn to pieces, bloody mess. His parents would have went looking for him and found a bloody mess of a, of a carcass of a human being laying on that road. But scripture says, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. 
God was showing Samson that, you know what? If my spirit's with you, nothing can stand in your way. If my spirit's upon you, there's no obstacle that could ever stop you, including the Philistines. But instead of going back home, the next verse, it says, he didn't tell his mother and father, ripped it apart like it was a young goat. When Samson arrived in Timnah, he talked with the woman and was very pleased with her. Could not be denied. He had a one-track mind. He's heading to an ungodly woman. Lion gets there. Spirit of God comes, rips that lion apart, and he just goes, cool. All right, where's the woman? The steps after the spirit stirs, he just kept pursuing the things that were against the word of God. Against what God's plan and calling. Instead of going back home, getting his head on straight, going, God's spirit stirred in me once, and I went that direction. God's spirit came upon me, stirred in me twice, and I, oh God, forgive me, what am I thinking? No, it was a one-track mind of, I don't care what your spirit does or says, I'm beyond the leading of the spirit. I'm beyond that. I'm beyond the law of God. I want something, so I'm going to go get it. But when you follow your flesh instead of God's spirit, it never just stops with one thing. Well, it's just one, just one puff, one video, one date, one kiss, one movie, one, one service, one prayer meeting. It never stops with one when you feed the flesh, it says, wow, that was, that was why God says, taste and see that I am good. But when we feed the flesh, Scripture says, make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Because when my flesh tastes sin, I go, oh, that was good. I want more of that. We were at General Conference. And somebody gave my son a half a bag of candy. And his friends... It's our new youth president, too, of the whole organization. But uh, he tells my son, if your parents ask, tell them Roman gave it to you. Roman's not even his name. Man, oh, man. But his friends came up, and they're walking around with a bag of candy. And the people we were with said to the, the, the mother, says, don't have a bag of candy. Or don't have a piece of candy. And it's like, what? How am I going to carry around a bag of candy? I can't have one piece of candy. But this is the way the flesh is. We say, well, I just tasted one. I want to have a second one. It's very difficult. Don't be a fool if you say, well, Samson, you know, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just going on a date with a pretty girl. We want to justify stuff in our day and age. The Bible calls us, and this is where I digress for a minute, because I feel like, as I, as I was at general conferences last week, I watched and I said to my wife, I said, you know, when I was growing up, I never, ever saw my peer group worshiping and pursuing God with the same level of intensity that this group is doing, that this generation is doing, your generation is doing. I mean, you watch, and your generation is up at, it's not Youth Congress. This is General Conference. With all people older than me, I want you to know. <laughs> the elders of our organization. 
and they're jumping and pursuing God. And I leaned to her and I said, look at the video as they pan. The young people are leading in worship in a way I've never seen before. And today when I was praying, I was thinking about that. And I really feel like the only thing that's going to mess you guys up is pride. But pride has, pride has many facets. There's the level of pride that says, I'm talented, I'm musical, I'm good looking, I can sing, I can preach, I can play. It comes naturally to me. I've already been asked to do all these things at a young age. Now, you would never say that, but your spirit can speak it. But there's also other facets of pride, including Samson's pride. I want something, I'm just going to go get it. I don't really care. I can justify it later. But if I want it, I'm going to get it. To the point where, do you know that that wasn't just a law for Samson about not being and not pursuing someone of the Philistines? And today, New Testament, Paul tells us not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And I'm talking to them, but any adult here, you're single? Oh, pride says, I can win him or her to God. I can get him or her in church. He or she's not going to influence me. I'm strong. I'm praying. He or she's never going to get me to compromise more my morals. Don't be a fool. I just said this, and like, I know it's kind of a funny digression here, and people here, I, I say these things a lot, but really, the information I'm speaking right now can literally save your soul. God is not saying, that when he said not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, there were two teams, oxen, that would yoke up, and if, and if one would go one direction, you can't put a yoke around the neck of two people. I can't use a guy, so you're going to come help me. This is awkward, so... So if, if we put a yoke around us and two ox are plowing and she says, I want to go this way, and I'm like, I want to go this way, well, the yoke around our necks is going to cause one to pull one way or the other. And since the things of this world are flesh, it doesn't come naturally to go, I want to wake up and fast today. I want to get up in the wee hours in the morning and seek God. I want to deny flesh. I want to go deeper with God. Flesh says, eat up. Forget fasting. Flesh says, she looks good. I want her. Flesh says these things. So typically, whoever's walking after the Spirit is very often, when yoked together, is going to go the flesh route just because it's an easier path. Now, there are a few examples, but I promise you, I was in youth ministry for almost a decade before I was a pastor, and I could show you a case study of for every one that works, there's about 29 that don't. Well, what does that mean? Well, they're just going on a date. They're just going to prom. I, oh, don't get me started. Jesus, what should I say? So, I don't parent your kids. I'm not going to try. 
But what in the world's happening at a prom that a child of God should be at? I don't get that. I don't get it. Now you can say, oh, that's ridiculous. That's over the top. You've got to raise your kids. I don't raise them. But the thing is, is when I, when, when, oh, that's a good Christian person. Do they believe and preach and teach what you do? I'm not trying to say, oh, we're elevating everyone else's down here. But if I'm yoked up with somebody, we need to be going the same direction. And so for me, if you don't believe the plan of salvation, if, if my kids start trying to bring someone around as they get older, and this person, oh, yeah, they go to this church, they believe in God, and they don't believe the same message, I'll say, hey, you think you should be really friendly to that person. I'd love to see them come to church. You don't dare come in this house and say, go get her for me or go get him for me. Because I, I can't even imagine. His, the parents were traveling to Timna. You wouldn't find me traveling to Timna. Why? Because if we're not yoking up with someone, pride says, oh, but I am different. I'm taking some time with this because God didn't make these establishments because he's like, I just want them to be miserable. I don't want them to date attractive people. Please. I'll tell you about that. I'm realistic too. Like I hear people be like, love is a choice. You can look at someone. I'm sorry. If I would have looked at her and not been attracted to her, I'm not going to be like, okay, I'm just going to choose to love her. <laughs> the first thing I noticed about my wife was not that she was a woman of God. It was that she was beautiful. I was attracted and still am. How long before you start to feel uncomfortable? But, so I'm talking, and, and again, I'm walking up here, but I maybe need to be walking back here. Because sometimes we get to a certain age that we go, yeah, but I don't want to be alone. I want to find somebody. And all of a sudden, before you know it, Timna comes around, or the lady from Timna comes around and pays you some attention. And you're going, well, you know, she could probably be a good person. What? It's against God's law for your life. Why? Because if God's calling his spirit stirring in you, literally the only thing that we can read about with Samson is, man, he starts to get off track with the opposite sex. It's just one after another. He just keeps getting distracted, pursuing the things of God. Because why? I'm strong. Ain't going to take me down. I'll be fine. That's why when you read this story with Delilah, and you read the story, and she says, well, what's the secret? Of oh, it's new ropes. He wakes up with new ropes. Man, the first day that I wake up with new ropes, and the woman I was trying to date put me in new ropes when I told her that would take away my strength, I would never said, what, what's going on in your brain, Samson? But I like to talk big. But you get love drunk. Yeah, I know I shouldn't go. She, she literally tied me up in ropes. And I, she was trying to hand me over. They called him in. The army was there. But man, she's so attractive. 
And we laugh, but we're just as stupid sometimes. And God's going, this is not what I called you for. So Samson goes in a second time. All right. She says, what's the secret of your strength? You should be going, why do you want to know that, woman? You're crazy. You ain't going to take my strength. I'm out of here. But what did he think? Hey, I'm strong enough to handle this. Till he finally gives the truth. Did he actually, had he, did he, had he gotten so used to the spirit of God suddenly coming upon him that he took it for granted? I think even though his hair was cut, he expected to wake up and just, whew, when I need God, he's there. I don't have to live in obedience. I don't have to follow the spirit. I can follow the flesh, have some fun, go on some dates, exchange some PDA, and I'll be fine. Because every time I've called on God, he's been there. Samson was walking after the flesh, ignoring the spirit stirring in him. And you know, when he killed that lion, Scripture says in verse 8, later he returned to Timnah for the wedding, and he turned off the path to go look at the carcass of the lion. Oh, when I sin, I miss the mark. You ever hear that? What's sin? It's missing the mark. That's such a beautiful way to put it. It's like we're aiming Oh, it's just a little high into the right. Man. When a lot of times sin is just, I don't care where the mark is. My flesh is hungry. And I'm going to go feed it. Samson, in order, see, there was, a, there was a law of Moses that you weren't supposed to touch an animal carcass. It'd make you unclean. He was the part of that Nazarite vow. wasn't just cutting the hair. He wasn't supposed to touch the unclean beast. He wasn't supposed to do that. He wasn't supposed to mess with that. But Samson's heading back from Timnah. I mean, it is pretty cool. I ripped a lion apart with my bare hands. I'm going to go look at it. <laughs> Thought you had me, huh? Taking a selfie with it. <laughs> Putting it on be fake. I mean, be real. <laughs> I got my selfie. Be like, yeah, I was heading down to Timna. This line, he didn't stand a chance. Check out my bare hands. Tore it apart. Why would you ever go off the path to go back and look at something that God has already defeated for you. If God's given you victory over something, why would you ever want to go back to that? Oh, God gave me victory. He set me free. But I'm just going to take another peek. If God's given you victory from alcohol, don't go back to the bar. God gave you victory from porn. Don't go back and look on the site again. God give you victory from drugs. Don't go hit up the drug dealer that you occasionally text for stuff. 
If he, if he still, oh, I just wish. How many of us today have said, God, just please deliver me, Jesus. I just wonder if I'm God and somebody's begging me who took on flesh and died on a cross and had the skin ripped off my body, beat me, my blood was shed for the cause of their sin, and I've already delivered them and set them free. And somebody starts saying, just please deliver me, set me free. Wouldn't you as God be like, what in the world do you think I just did? We're asking God to do something he's already done. The, on, the only reason is not, oh, because, oh, I just wish he'd deliver me. No, it is, I'm walking on the path he called me to walk on, but I'm going, in order to do what we want to do, we have to turn off the path. He had a destination, but he said, you don't ever have to pray, God, Deliver me. He already has. If you've repented of your sins, the sins have been washed away. You have been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. The reason why we're failing is not because the Spirit of God led us into temptation. We already know that doesn't happen. It's because we were walking on a path and we chose to turn off the path and go back to something that he's already defeated for us. So Samson, he turns off the path and he goes and it's not just that, but what he decides to do is it's obviously been a little while. The scripture doesn't tell us it's been a day, a week, an hour, two years. It doesn't say, but some bees have formed honey, a hive. And so it must've been a minute because he walks in there and he scoops up some honey. Why are you doing that? You're not supposed to go back to an animal carcass. And you certainly ain't supposed to eat anything. That's against God's law. But it never stops with one thing. When you start making an excuse to do one thing, you'll find two things, three things, four things, five things. It just starts getting easy to justify. You know, I, I, it was just a date, so we wanted to date. Now it's just a lie, and now I'm hungry. It's just some honey. And we can, in our minds, we just start justifying everything. I'm walking with God, but I'm going off the path. Why? Because I'm hungry. It's not a big deal. Nothing becomes a big deal. But he goes and he scoops honey. And the problem is he doesn't just take it himself. He takes some for his parents who still don't realize what happened. And he gives it to them and they start eating it. So now they're defiled without even knowing it. And I've seen that story way too many times in my life. Where someone walks off the path, leaves God's calling for their life. And you know what? They never just go by themselves. Always take somebody with them. Why? Because when the spirit stirs, instead of going off the path, going on the path, I turn off the path. I go looking for sin. Isn't it interesting that 1 Peter 5, 8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We still to this day have lions get in our path. But when I read Samson, if the spirit stirs me, 
I don't ever have to worry about that lion or any lion. Because when the spirit stirs and gets in my path, that lion can't touch me. But where I can fail is when I defeat the lion through the power of the blood, but choose to go back to the lion. Why would you want to go back? Don't turn off the path. And then the third time, and I'm almost done, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon mightily, Sam, mightily upon Samson. Since Samson had really gotten the Philistines mad. So they attacked the men of Judah, and that's a long story, but they're mad. And those Israelite men tell Samson, I'm gonna need to hand you over to the Philistines. They're, they're messing with us. Let us hand you to the Philistines because seriously, we're having issues. And Samson, in his pride, go ahead. You've been arrogant in a fight. Somebody goes, oh, I'll knock you out. You say, you can try. That's where Samson, go ahead. Judges 15, 14, and Samson arrived at Lehi. The, parent, uh, the Philistines came shouting in triumph. Yeah, we got Samson. He's bound. Check it out. His own people handed him over to us. But scripture says the spirit of the Lord again comes powerfully upon Samson. And he snaps the ropes. This is even before Delilah. He snaps the ropes as if they were burnt strands of flax. Ah! I just felt like a man doing that. <laughs> and then he finds the jawbone of a donkey. And he picks up the jawbone of a donkey and kills a thousand Philistines. Wow. Guess what, Samson should have been dead again. I don't care how good of a fighter. I don't care if you have a black belt. I don't care if you're a UFC fighter. It don't matter. You get a thousand guys, you're done. Just like a lion, you're done. But the spirit of God comes powerfully upon him. Again, oh, that's fine. I don't care. God's spirit's always there when I need it. Thousand men, he just takes him out with the jawbone of a donkey. And the very next verse after the spirit stirs in his life is Judges 16.1. One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Are you kidding me right now? Every time the spirit stirs in this man, God's trying to say, I got a plan for you. I got a purpose for your life. I'm calling you deeper. I want to do great things with you, to you, through you, in you. And he just kept going off path. Kept going off path. He whoops a thousand Philistines and goes, look what I did. Instead of look what God did. David stood before Goliath and said, you uncircumcised Philistine, God's going to give you me today. God's going to give me to, or, or you to me today. He says that. Samson says, look what I did. All right, I'm done. I'm famished. I'm going to see a prostitute. It's the last time we read about the Spirit of the Lord coming upon Samson. Now, I know some would say, no, 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 hang on. No. He was in the pillars and he pushed the pillars out and he killed more in his death than in his life. God's spirit came out. Show me in scripture where it says that. Samson prayed. And then it says, scripture says he pushed with all his might. 
But never do we read that God's spirit came upon him again. As a matter of fact, scripture shows quite the opposite in Judges 16. When he wakes up after Delilah cuts his hair, he wakes up in Judges 16, 20, and he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free because that's the way he lived his life. I'm going to shake myself free. When everything he had done to that moment was only by the spirit stirring, by the spirit of God moving in his life. But he thought, I'll just do it again. I'll do it again. No problem. And imagine the horror when he realizes his hair's cut and he stands up like he always is, probably has a smile on his face. And he goes, and he can't break the bands. And scripture says, he didn't even realize the Lord left him. He had walked off the path so many times. He had ignored so many times when the spirit moved. So many Sunday afternoons where we just took it for granted. We come in and just God meets us here. Where we cry tears and we walk up freely and we go, man, I feel God. God's so powerful. It's tangible. I can taste it. I can touch it. God is here. But I'm going to go off the path. I'm going to go see the dead lion carcass that I've already defeated. I'm going to go see the deliverance God's already given me. Why? Because my flesh is hungry. So when the spirit stirs, instead of me going, where are you taking me, God? What do you want me to do? What are you calling me to be a part of? God, talk to me. Speak to me. It is. I'm hungry. Go get her for me. I'm going back. I want honey. I'm going to go see the prostitute. I'm going to do whatever I got to do because my flesh is saying, Go ahead. You can justify it. And God leaves him, and he doesn't even know it. He just assumed, I'll just do what I've always done when it was never him in the first place. It wasn't that Samson just reached a quota or made too many mistakes. It's that he never responded to the stirring of the Spirit. Hear me, because you might leave and go, but when is God going to leave me? I don't want God to leave me. I messed up. I've messed up before. I've made mistakes. And then we live in fear. That's not it. Samson did not just all of a sudden reach the quota. And God said, yeah, I've only allowed you this much. And you went over the top. Sorry. I hope that's not the case because I've made a lot of mistakes. But the key for Samson, it was pride. And he never responded to the stirring of the spirit. And I'm concerned about any individual man or woman, even in this church today, when the spirit has stirred like it did last week and this week, and we can just sit and look around without any response. That concerns me. And I didn't look around. As I told you, that's probably why God said that too. Because I have no idea today who responded, who didn't. But if you're able to just look around, and sit down and there's no response if I was you I would cling to an altar today I would get to an altar and I'd go God I want to respond to the stirring of your spirit God I'm not doing this by myself God I'm not walking this path just thinking oh, I can do this oh, I have experience I have stock I come from a good family I know a lot of preachers no no I want 
to get a hold of your altar. And I want to say, God, I want to respond today. Jesus, help me, God. I don't want to just say, oh, yeah, it's during the Spirit. Yeah, I'll just catch it next Sunday. There'll probably be another good one. No, there's something in us today that's got to go when the Spirit stirs. I got to get into it. I got I to gotta respond. I got to get to an altar. I got I to gotta respond to you, Lord. And the Spirit, the steps after the Spirit stirs, and I close, led Samson to places that God was never calling him. But what about you? The Spirit is stirring in this church. Even if you're here going, I don't really feel it right now. I'm telling you, the Spirit is stirring in this church. It's been stirring. And the reason it's stirring is for whatever reason. Why did Samson get the call? Well, he was willing to obey. His parents were willing to obey. I believe that when a parent is willing to obey, there's, a, there's that blessing of obedience is passed on to a child. The child eventually will have to obey for him or herself. But I believe that the greatest inheritance we can give our kids is an inheritance of obedience to the word of God. And so when we do that, Samson was favored. He was called. Why does God call certain people? I have theories on that, but I won't go into that now. But right now, this church, we're favored. We're, we're blessed by God. But it's not because just, oh, yeah, they do this right, and you do that right, and the facility this. No, it's because for whatever reason, God stepped into this place going, I want to reveal myself to you. And if you will just block everything out and just focus on me, focus on my voice, I'm going to start to show you things about myself. I'm going to start to reveal deep things but but the church the church is the spirit is stirring and so as the as the spirit stirs your heart will it just be for a moment will it just be for a purpose will will be will be will we be able to sit and just watch the spirit stir and touch lives and just walk out unchanged there's something in us going god if you're stirring i want to be a part of that god if you're calling me down a path i'm not willing to go wavering off of that path god there's something in me i don't want to go back to things you've already defeated every one of us have a testimony some of the things in our lives we're super we're really proud of others were not but there are things in our lives that God has been trying to carve out and deliver us from and and he's trying to get us away from those things but we just keep going off the path and going back to see the lion going back to grab honey out of the carcass and God's talking to somebody today going stay on the path I'm stirring my spirit's stirring your life why because I have a purpose for you I have a plan for your life I've already delivered you I've already set you free but it's time to recommit to consecrate it's time what if Samson when they tore apart that lion would have said this is preposterous this is insane i'm heading back to my house mom dad i'm sorry i even spoke to you like that i don't know what got into me i started thinking i could go live with a philistine woman it wouldn't affect me god forgive me lord you've called me to be a warrior you've called you've given me strength you have made a vow with me it's not like he just made a vow god made a vow with him and i'm gonna walk in that vow and i'm sorry that i got off this path and i'm gonna go do whatever you called me to do and if it's defeat the Philistines let's go God because this isn't about me it's about you but somewhere Samson was like I did this I did that I'll do whatever I want whenever I need the spirit will be there to rescue me until the day it wasn't until the day he stood up and the, the panic set in and they gouged out his eyes and he stood in the pillars and they watched him as he paraded around and he just walked and, they, and they, he was their entertainment and that was the enemy. The man of God, the anointed man of God.
How many anointed men and women of God have fallen and become the entertainment of the enemy simply because they were willing to go off the path and not walk in the calling that God's called them to walk in? When the Spirit stirs like it has, I don't want to follow flesh. I want to follow the Spirit. I want to respond when the Spirit stirs. I want to get to a place of prayer. I want to do like I saw Zach do up here last week and bury my face and say, God, it ain't about pride. I need you, Jesus. God, forgive me. Help me, God. This is not about me. But Lord, I don't want, I want to stay on the path. If you have a plan, if you have a calling for me, God, I want to stay on that path. I don't want to wander. I don't want to waver. If the Spirit's stirring, I want to respond today. Jesus, I pray right now as people begin to stand, as people begin to make their way to an altar, God, your Spirit's stirring once again. Lord, you're reaching to people, Lord. Everything you're doing is just about an invitation to more. You invited Samson to more. You invited Samson to this, this covenant, this commitment he wasn't willing to be a part of and keep his parameters of the deal. God, I don't want that to be me. I don't want it to be any of us. Lord, as this church, I feel like corporately, individually, you're calling us. You're stirring in our hearts, God. Lord, help us. Help us to respond this afternoon. Help us to respond this afternoon. Help us, Jesus. Lord, we don't want to just rely on your spirit. It's there when I went, whenever I need it. I'm going to go out and have fun. I'll be back in a bit, and then I'll just call on the Lord. He always shows up. I don't want that to be us, Lord. We want to live holy, separated, consecrated, committed to you, Jesus. God, we don't want to take your spirit and the stirring of your spirit for granted. Lord, the only way we can do supernatural things, Lord God, is when your spirit stirs, and I believe your spirit only stirs when we live committed and consecrated, as you're trying to get our, our attention, Lord, to keep us on the path, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord. In the secret place of the It's where I hide. It's where. 